0: Hi, I'm Josh van Burkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Wonderful. Hey, well, my name's Sheridan. If you don't know me, um, a few different faces, which is great. And I'm married to Jan, coming up 28 years, which is, yeah, I'm trying to pretend I'm young, but I turned 50 the week before last, so I'm just not. Although we um, had a, an ordination at Rolleston yesterday, and I was sitting behind beside a young lady, she would have been early twenties, and she said I wasn't fifty, so that, she's my new best friend, <laughs> and um, that was nice. Um, I've got two sons. I've got Luke as my older son, and Jay as my younger son. Luke is uh, married, and um, uh, he is a very very good musician, and uh, my younger son is Jay. He is engaged to be married. We had our kids nearly three years apart, but their weddings are 18 months apart, which is not much consideration for my budget. But anyway, um, uh, so he's getting married, and um, both both to lovely girls. And uh, we feel incredibly blessed. So we're almost empty nesters. And I'm trying really hard, but I cannot see the downside of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. Power bills less, food bills less, I've got space, I don't have to share with them anymore. It's awesome. So if you've got little kids, just hang in there, and it'll be awesome for you one day. (laughs) Maybe not yet, but one day, it'll be great. (laughs) And so uh, it's good. And um, so we're in Hamilton, and um, actually both Jan and I were born and bred in Hamilton. We grew up in Hamilton, but we spent uh, nearly 20 years here in Christchurch, and um, really a lot of who we are today was formed when we were here in Christchurch, and uh, we were part of City Church in town, which my father-in-law was pastoring, and um, not by any great plan, but really by God's intervention, handed on the leadership to us, uh, and um, so we cut our teeth there, the poor people, but um, you've got to cut your teeth somewhere, and, uh, and uh, we cut our teeth there, and then in 2008, we went back to Hamilton, but I love Christchurch City. I really do. And um, we've got roots here. My family, you know the plaques in the square with the names of the people that came in the first seven ships to Christchurch? So my family's on there. So we go back a long, long way in Christchurch City. And and it has a huge part of my heart. So I am thrilled to be with you today. Absolutely thrilled. And it's good. Well, I want to encourage you um, on many things. But I've got to down. Is there a clock I can see? Who's going to go like this when I've gone too long? Joshua. Joshua. Okay. That's great. What do I have to do? Yeah. Like this. I oh, know what you mean. Or you could yell out, stop, or something. It's all good. Um, I've got this bee in my bonnet at the moment about discipleship. Jesus said, go make disciples. The Western church has made believers. We have not made disciples. And there's a big difference. Between a believer and a disciple. A believer has all this stuff in their head, but they don't outwork it, outwork it. Where a disciple outwork it, it's disciple D for doer. A, a disciple D does the word of God. Doesn't just hear the word of God. And I I am absolutely convinced I've been pondering for a couple of years now. Um, what God's doing in the church at the moment, because we, we are in a reformative period in the church at the moment. Whether you realise it or not, we are in a reformative period of church history. And I'm, I've felt that for some years, and I've been reading, and other people are feeling it. I'm going, well, Lord, what are you doing? What's the mark? It's, it's good to know that we're in a reformative period, but what's the next bit look like? And it's just been blurry. Now, I haven't been able to land it, but I'm starting to get a real sense of conviction in my own heart, enough to speak about it, that actually this next period in church history looks for, the Western church at least, looks like discipleship. That's what God's doing. He's calling his church back to being disciples instead of just carrying an academic knowledge. Or instead of just believing. It's easy to believe. Well, sometimes actually, I correct myself, sometimes it's really hard to believe. But it's easier to believe than it is to do. And Jesus never said, go make believers. Yet all of our focus has been believers. He said, go make, go make disciples, which part of being a disciple is believing. But it's not. So we've ended up with this um, culture in the West of consumer-driven church. Because we have believers and not disciples. Believers take, disciples give. Disciples sow. Disciples do. Believers say, sort of, sit back and impress me. Tickle my mind. Say some nice words that are going to make me feel good. But that's not a disciple. And I wasn't even going to talk about this. That's not a disciple. A disciple is one who just sows their life fully into Jesus. Jesus. A disciple is taught and and, and obeys the teachings of Jesus and all that stuff, but a a disciple does. A disciple is actually, the word, the word, um, the subtleties of the word literally mean an imitator of. They imitate Jesus. And Jesus was a doer. Jesus was a problem solver. Jesus brought the kingdom to the party. Jesus upset the odd person. But Jesus was on the Father's mission. And that's who he's calling. I believe prophetically that as a church, um, you're going to become known for having a heart of worship and a softness before God. That's what I believe. He's saying, and I want to encourage you with that. And to keep positioning yourself there. Because God can do stuff if we're soft before him. If we've got a heart that says, Lord, I'm a disciple and you shape me whatever way you need to shape me for your purposes and for your glory, I'm not so much chasing my preferences as I want to just be obedient to you. He can do something really special with that. And I believe that's a mark, spiritually, that it's a mark he wants to stamp on you as a church, that you're known as having soft hearts, that you're known as being a place of worship, a place that connects with the Holy Spirit, that you're not determined by a program, but by... The Holy Spirit. So I encourage you to remain soft before him in all those things. Um, I I would like to talk to you this morning from the book of Luke, chapter 10. It's one of my favorite passages in scripture. Uh, Actually, the Mark um, account is my one of my very favourites, but this is the same thing. And this is an amazing passage of scripture, and it's a it's a passage of scripture. This one and the next one that people get really really wrong. They get it wrong because they're, they're familiar with it, and they assume that it means something that it doesn't mean. But it's um these two passages really they're great passages, and I'm going to read from uh, Luke chapter twenty-five. Um, sorry. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 28. And I will read from the NLT translation. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord, with all your go- uh, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you'll live. Seems simple enough. Let me read the two other accounts to you because I think they're interesting. It's also found in Matthew 22. It's worded slightly different. But these are the same accounts, same events. In Matthew 22, it says this from verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with the question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. The third account, which is my favourite, is Mark chapter 12 from verse 28. And it goes like this. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realised that Jesus had answered well, so he asked of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all of my heart and all of my understanding and all of my strength and all of my, my neighbour as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, You're not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. It's, it really is a great passage of scripture. And it's three passages, and sometimes people will go, Well, how can, why do they all read different if they're the same account? But it's a little bit like um, if three of us in this room saw a car crash take place out on. Blenheim Road or somewhere and then we were asked about to write about it to a different audience making the point that we felt we needed to make we would all write about that car crash slightly differently in the book of Matthew it'd be um, the expert would say Jesus did you see the car crash and Jesus would say yes I saw the yellow car hit the blue car on Blenheim Road In the book of Mark, they write it a bit like this. Jesus, did you see the car crash? Yes, I saw the yellow car hit the blue car on Blenheim Road. To which the expert replies, that's right. The yellow car hit the blue van on Blenheim Road. To which Jesus replies, I'm not sure we're talking about the same thing. The book of Luke, it's like this. Jesus, did you see the car crash? Yes. What happened? Um. Sorry, yes, what happened? I saw the yellow car hit the blue van on Victoria Street to which Jesus would reply, okay, what did you do to help? So it's the same account, just slightly different angles. No conflict, same account, all good. So we're looking from Luke this morning. One day an expert in the... These aren't nice people. The, The expert in religious law is not a nice guy. They they didn't love anybody. To say to love your neighbour as yourself, he's in trouble there because they only loved their own little group. And their whole ambition was really to trip you up and to make life so hard that you couldn't live it. Certainly not in a way that was going to please God. They were um, awkward, made life awkward for you. His whole agenda was to ask Jesus a question that would trap him because their agenda was to kill Jesus. Jesus. So you've got to understand, this isn't a nice guy. He's, um, he's asking this question, teacher, sh- what should I do to inherit eternal life? But he would have had an air of arrogance and pride about him, an air of ser- superiority. Because his agenda is not, his motive is just not healthy. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Jesus would have known full well he was about to get an explanation. Because this guy knew the scriptures. The expert says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus says, go and do that. Go and do that. In other words, you've answered it. Now just go and do what you've answered. Pretty good, I think. What are you going to do with that other than go and do it? It's pretty interesting. Can I get a volunteer just to help me quickly? Um, volunteer or volunteer would you like to come and help me just for a moment? I've forgotten your name, sorry. And please give Hannah a big hand. And, and your, your whole life experience really comes down to this moment. I'd just like you to fill these glasses with water, please. Thank you very much because I'm thirsty. Fill them all the way up. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well done, Anne. Right, you give Anne a hand. I love Anne, and I'm grateful that she's filled the glasses for me, but actually, Anne, you didn't do what I asked. I asked you to fill them all the way up. No, 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 it's all right, because if you had, I wouldn't have had an illustration. I was really counting on you filling them up to there. So thank you. I am truly grateful. This, this is how most of us live our Christian lives. About 12 mils from the top. Where Jesus says, love me. Well, the expert said, but Jesus said yes, endorsed it. Love me with all of your heart. Love me with all of your mind. With all of your strength. All. Now it's full. There is a big difference between all and 12 mils from the top. Yet in a consumer society... In the Western church, we appear to be quite happy to live 12 mil from the top. But the Bible tells us to live with all. All. Can you see the difference? It's significant, isn't it? Uh, The question I've got for us this morning, if I was to name my message, I would call it all. But the question I've got for all of us is what would all feel like in your life? What would all look like in your life? Because the journey of discipleship is an all journey, where the journey of a believer is really an academic journey. It's academics are important, but a disciple is asked, is commanded. To live all. If we're going to impact Christchurch City, we need all. 12 mil from the top's not going to cut it. I know in most businesses, 12 mil from the top only pays the bills. It's that extra little bit that gives you the freedom to do what you've actually been called to do and and, and your desire and your dreams and your visions. That's the 12 mil at the top yet somehow we've made it okay in Western culture to live our Christian lives, to live our Christian journey 12 mil from the top. And Jesus says to all, go do that. You're right. The expert goes, love the Lord with all of your heart. That that word there is kardia. It literally means your physical being. Your heart it means your heart, your physical being. Love the Lord with all of your heart. It doesn't say love the the Lord twelve mil from the top. Love the Lord with all of your soul, mind, will, emotions, all. Love the Lord with all of your strength. It means physical strength. Don't leave anything on the table. Love Him with all, and love Him with all of your mind. I love the, uh, the Mark, if you want to go and have a look at it. In Mark, where it talks about this, Jesus says to the guy, love the Lord with all of your mind. And the guy comes back to Jesus and says, that's right, I must love you with all of my intellect. Used a completely different word. Jesus goes on further and says, uh, um, what did he say at the end? No one dared ask more questions. Understanding where the man was at, that he was not far from the kingdom of God. And if, if I go home today, After lunch, which I am, and I go home, not far from home, I'm in trouble. I could be anywhere, couldn't I? If I go home and I'm not far from home. It's really interesting. He says, Jesus understood that he was not far from the kingdom of God. And then the next line is, no one else did ask any questions. In other words, the guy totally stuffed it up. Everybody knew it. Everyone was too scared to ask a question. That's what it's saying. Because the guy said... I've got to love you with all of my intellect. Where Jesus has said, no, no, you, you, you need to love me with all of your mind, which includes your imagination. Why is the imagination so important? The imagination is so important because the imagination is the doorway to the spirit realm. It's critical. That's why when people are doing drugs and they're spaced out on all this stuff, they have some really weird, crazy spiritual experiences, which are normally dark because opening the wrong door. But Jesus says, I I want you completely. I want you to love me fully. And I don't just want you to talk about it. I want all of your heart. I want all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind. Oh, yeah, but Lord, I would. But I don't like the color Josh has painted the walls. Now, he didn't say love me with all of your preferences. He said love me with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, your whole being. And all. I did some study on the word all. It's a fascinating word. The word is holos in the Greek. It's a fascinating word. Do you know what it means? It means all. That's deep, eh? That's really deep. It means all. It means everything. Complete. Yet, in our consumer Western Impress me mindsets. We're quite happy to make commandment uh, commandments, compartments that are like you can have this much and no much more. And I'll give you this much of that and that much. No, no. The word is all. Just love me with your whole being. Make your whole being about relationship with me, me Him. Make your whole being about being kingdom focused. Make your whole being about what God's called you to. B, we're just starting first day on Monday, activate college, can't wait, in Hamilton. And, um, and our, our uh, real point of difference is to help people discover their lane in life, what God has created them for, which is great Bible college education, of course. But this thing of what God's created you for, so you can throw yourself into it fully and wholly for his purposes, all. So... I ask myself, well, what does all look like? But all's got to look like something because Jesus said, go do that. So he wouldn't have said, go do that if it didn't look like anything, would he? So it's got to look like something. And what did he say? Go, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Loving him with all of my heart, soul and mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Really interesting, the next passage of scripture is the Good Samaritan. And people take all sorts of stuff out of the Good Samaritan. You know, you've probably heard them. What was the priest thinking as he walked past the man on the side of the road? I'll let you in on a secret. He wasn't thinking anything. It's a story. He didn't even exist. It's a story that Jesus told. Jesus told the Good Samaritan to answer this question that the man's just asked in the passage before, which was this. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? That's what the Good Samaritan's about, answering this question. What should I do to inherit eternal life? And essentially, the answer is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Give yourself fully to this. And the point of the Good Samaritan is, you can give yourself fully to it and you're still going to come up short. It's only by God's grace. The point is salvation. Because put your hand up in this room. If you can afford to put every person in need beaten up that you come across in the Novotel for two months, because that's what the two coins represented, that's enough for two months, two months, fully paid accommodation, all their medical costs and everything else, how many of us could do that? Not, Not just once, you might get away once, but you're talking tens of thousands of dollars. But with every person you came, Jesus set the bar so incredibly high that no one could meet it. So, the whole point of the of the Good Samaritan story is that it's the grace of God, and only by God's grace, because you're not good enough, and neither am I. Yet, nonetheless, He says to us all, "Love me, Lord. How am I doing with loving you with all today? Well, you started all right, Sheridan, but the wheels really fell off about seven thirty. You got divided in your thinking, and you forgot I even existed. And it's like, oh, no, no. That's the point. You you can't actually do all on your own. It, it, it's by God's grace." It's been empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Essentially, what this guy what's saying to you, this guy is: get it out of your head and get it into reality. And you cannot do that in your own strength. All the guy's interested in is debating, restricting, trapping, manipulating, and controlling Jesus in the conversation. There's some great marks of what religion looks like right there: debate, restrict, trap, manipulate, and control. But Jesus doesn't buy into it for a minute. He just says, okay, you do that. But we can't do that. Loving the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, means I am totally reliant on his grace. It means to make a difference in Christchurch City, we are totally reliant on his grace. We'll give it our best shot. We'll give everything into it. I'll sow my life into it. But mark my words, I will fall over. You will fall over. Get up and go again, by God's grace. That's what all looks like. Actually, all could be defined, go again, go again, go again. It's a fantastic passage. It's one thing to know something, but it's something else to live it. And it's only as you start to try to really live all that you realize how far short we come. And it's only by his grace. That is a message of hope. Only by God's grace. The world is tired of seeing people who are trying to be perfect in their own strength when the message of the gospel is God's grace. we we'll give it our best shot. Give yourself 100% to it. Don't live 12 mils from the top. That's not a life. That's not a full life. My prayer is that when you close tonight your eyes tonight, you'll see two glasses of water and you'll go I choose to be the one on your right I had to get that right I'm renowned for going left when they say go right I used to go like this to try and work it out I'd go loser and then I realised that's backwards eh it's backwards to you yeah anyway <laughs> yeah but you still got to know yeah can, can I talk just for a moment, am I right time-wise at the moment? Can I talk to you about something that really, really bugs me? And I think this is important. It's more common amongst young adults, age group, than probably anybody else, but not exclusive to young adults. And when people engage with me in these conversations, because I'm going to say I hate it, um, I love them but I'm just like, Lord, please give them a revelation about the pointlessness of this conversation. I have these conversations more and more, because and, um, we're taught to argue the point and we're taught to um, you know, look for ways out of everything and philosophize everything. I have these conversations often with young adults where they're asking me what they can get away with. Can I say that and still be saved? Some of you are probably thinking, I do that. Um, you know, can I say that? When, when my language deteriorates, at what point am I no longer in the kingdom of God? Where did I step over the line? Or my behavior. My behavior, um, yeah, yeah, so how far can I, what can I get away with and still be sweet with Jesus? Tight conversations. These are, these, I have them all the time with people. And it drives me nuts because they're asking the wrong question, they're trying to bring the bar down and down and down not that there is a bar but bring the bar down to where they feel comfortable in themselves, because it then justifies their behavior and their action you get what I'm saying so if I say to you that there's certain four-letter words that are okay for you to use and certain ones that aren't you will go right up to the bar probably and use the ones that I said you could use and maybe not the ones that but there would be some of you in the group that would come and say and why can't we use those ones yeah, exactly. See? Some of you in the group named Josh. And, and, and it's a four-letter word. <laughs> but all the time, it's trying to bring the bar down. And to me, that's what the religious expert was doing. He's trying to justify his, his, his way out of this thing. Where When I gave my life to Christ... And I was baptized, I died to self, I rose a new creation in Christ, one who was made holy and righteous, and I was justified, and I was sanctified and being sanctified. They're all big theologic words, theology words, and if you don't know them, you need to go to Activate College. And um, they, they, um, I was made all those things in Christ. So the question's an irrelevant question. The question is, what does holy, righteous, justified, and sanctified look like? And does my language, my behavior, or anything else look like that? Not what I can get away with. Because all is all. All isn't, oh, if I can get away with 12 mils, I wonder if I can get away with 20 mils from the top. All is all. All is full. And if we're a new creature in Christ, it means that we approach life differently. It's no longer what I can get away with. It's God says, I am his son. You are his son or his daughter. We are his kids. And you are holy and you're righteous. You have been justified, just as if I'd never sinned. You have been sanctified. Being I mean, sanctified, that means he's like making you better and better all the time. But in you're standing before him, you're perfect because of Christ. So what does that look like? That's the real question. And for me, I'm going, this is some of the stuff that Jesus is addressing here because He said, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. All. Where the academic is going, yeah, I'm going to try and find my way out of this. I'm going to try and trick him. I'm going to try and put a case together which lowers the bar to where it works for me. But that's not what God's calling disciples to do. That's what consumers do. God's not calling disciples to that. He's calling disciples to be like Christ and he gave his all. He gave everything, everything. I'm not telling you this to condemn you. I'm really hoping that you're hearing this in such a way that I'm coming under you going, come on, you can do this. Come on, you were born for this. You were born to love Jesus like this. You were born for kingdom purposes. Please hear it that way. Don't hear it like, oh yeah, we're only half full. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, "Come on, there's greatness in you in the kingdom that you've been designed and born and reborn for. Live from there. Don't, don't live any less, because Jesus endorses all. All never asks how little, never. All. I love this. Romans ten nine. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's by confessing with your mouth that you were or are saved. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Disciples are ones that have recognised our desperate need for a saviour. And then we step into that journey wholeheartedly. He says don't turn around and don't go and sort everything out before you say yes. Just say yes. Just say yes to him. Give him our all. I'm really encouraging you this morning. Give him your all for Christchurch's sake. Give him your all. As we give him our all, we'll be fully open for him to move and he will be able to do things that we can only dream of. And as we lift him up by giving him our all, Scripture tells us he will draw all men to himself. We're not trying to build a church for the sake of having bums on seats. We're building a church because that's what he's asked us to do. Populate heaven. Make disciples. See a city come to Christ. See a nation come to Christ. He wouldn't have asked us to do those things if they were impossible. But it is going to take all. Just for a moment. What would all feel like in your world? What would all of your heart feel like for you? What would all of your soul feel like for you?